Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's webinar. I'm Mark Graben from Kinexus, and we're joined today by Steve Kane from Gemba Academy. He's going to be presenting coaching strategies for leaders. So let me introduce Steve before I hand it over to him. Steve is the Director of Coaching and Certification for Gemba Academy. He's responsible for their lean coaching and certifications. Prior to Gemba Academy, Steve had a diverse career, ranging from being responsible for a large medical device sales territory, being a plant manager where he leveraged lean methods to drive improvement, and was also the VP of Operations at Specialty Silicone Fabricators, where he led the lean efforts of the company. Steve has served on the Western Region Board of the Association for Manufacturing Excellence, has worked with the Michigan Lean Learning Consortium, and the California Central Coast Lean Forum. So, Steve, I'm excited for your presentation. I'll turn it over to you. All right. Thanks very much, Mark. Uh, very happy to be here. Coaching is uh, uh, seems to be in greater demand today uh, in, in the workplace than ever before. Uh, as the workplace changes, we're really shifting or have been shifting over uh, decades to really a workplace that uh, is centered around intrinsic motivation, mastery, autonomy, and purpose, to borrow from Dan, uh, Dan Pink. And the command and control style of leadership uh, is becoming less and less effective. And this is really kind of creating a pull for coaches or a coaching skill set for managers and business leaders. Uh, so the coaching process helps people navigate the unknown. For all of us working day to day, you know, we're brought into organizations uh, to perform tasks, but really also to help solve problems. Right? That's why uh, our jobs exist. That's why businesses exist. Right? Somebody has a need, we're brought in to help fill that need. And quite often, we have to navigate the unknown. We have to figure out new ways of doing things. Uh, we have to figure out how to solve problems, how to get things done. And navigating the unknown uh, can be difficult, can be stressful. Uh, it, it certainly can create some, uh, some uncertainty. And the coaching skill set, the coaching conversations help people find their way through it. So uh, we're really trying to help people transform uncertainty into, into certainty and also accomplish more, learn more, and thereby share more. Uh, ultimately, we're asking people to come into an organization and give us the greatest contribution possible. Uh, but in order to do that, we have to help them uh, uh, navigate their way through the unknown, right? So coaching really helps people perform at a very, very high level. And that's what we're trying to accomplish. So in uh, today's webinar, we'll go over the role of a coach and the role of a client in a business environment. Uh, and I use that word client uh, really intentionally in, in you know, professional coaching, like coaching as a business, uh, there's the coach and the client, but even in within your own business, dealing with your direct reports as a leader, uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to think as, as people in this context as clients, right? With a really uh, a, a servant leader um, as a, approach. So I'll, I'll be referring to coaches and clients throughout the webinar. Uh, so next we'll talk about uh, recognizing opportunities to coach, covert coaching, uh, coaching models, and then uh, also coaching as a leadership technique. And uh, at the end, I'll also share some great resources for learning more about building uh, a coaching skill set. Uh, 
Okay, so let's let's first talk about some of the differences between teacher, mentor, manager, and and coach. Uh, It's really important to distinguish between these because as leaders in a business environment, the reality is we're doing all of these things for people all the time. And we're kind of switching back and forth through these roles, whether we're, we're consciously aware of it or not, but we all perform this role of teacher, mentor, manager, and coach. So, so what are the differences? So a teacher is somebody who uh, helps somebody else gain uh, theoretical knowledge with facts, data, uh, things that you could you can consume in a classroom, uh, if you will. And uh, a mentor really is a uh, an experienced and trusted advisor, somebody who's been down your road before and can offer some insight based on their experience. Uh, and if, to give some examples for uh, if you've read uh, really you know, any of the classic lean books like The Goal or uh, uh, The Goldmine Lean Manager, there's always this, this character who it kind of pops in and out at just the right moment, somebody who's really experienced and, and is able to share these nuggets of wisdom at just the right moment. That's the mentor. And the mentor isn't always involved, you know, is, isn't necessarily somebody that you interact with all the time, but there's somebody that you can really go to when you're in a bind. The manager, uh, which I, I'm guessing uh, the majority of this audience is, uh, is somebody who's responsible for getting things done through other people. So you're uh, responsible for a team, if not the entire organization, and uh, you're responsible for for results. You're responsible for the results of the people who report uh, report to you. So that's going to introduce a little bit of a conflict. Uh, so we'll keep that in mind, uh, and we'll get to that uh, very shortly. So next. The coach. What is the role of a coach, right? So a coach is somebody who partners with clients in a thought-provoking and creative process that inspires them to maximize their personal and professional potential. So uh, it is quite different than managing, quite different than teaching, uh, a little bit different than than mentoring. The idea with uh, behind coaching is you're allowing the client to go on their own journey and you're helping them kind of frame their thinking and, and be very introspective in making good decisions uh, to help them get from where they are to where they want to be. And this really builds on intrinsic motivation. You know, to, again, you know, thinking about uh, Dan Pink's book *Drive*, you know, the mastery, autonomy, and purpose. And in in modern workplaces, people are are motivated by what it is that they want to accomplish more than they are by uh, extrinsic motivators like uh, you know uh, bonuses and and that sort of thing. So we're really uh, taking advantage of intrinsic motivation and helping people accomplish more, to be more, to contribute more. So a coach also helps people develop skill. Now, if you think about uh, riding a bicycle, now you can give a lesson on how to ride a bicycle. That would be something a teacher does and talked about all the different parts of a bicycle, how it works, uh, even showing how the steering works, the wheels, the pedals, all of that. But the coach is the person who's encouraging the person, uh, encouraging the client to get on the bicycle and then and then uh, kind of running uh, by the client's side 
while they're uh, uh, putting the hands on the handlebar and starting to ride for the first time. And so that coach is, is with that client kind of every step of the way, but the client is doing all of the work, right? The coach doesn't. So that's really an important point. It's the client's skill. It's the client's journey and, and it's their work. So essentially a coach helps a client get from point A through a field of uncertainty to point B. And something to, to really uh, take home on this is that the coach helps the clients, helps clients get themselves from point A to point B. Um, so the, the coaches can't do that uh, uh, for themselves. The, the coaches can't do that, right? Only the clients can, can make that journey. So the coach's role really is to engage the client in purposeful conversations and related to where people are and where they want to be, right? Help the clients deeply understand their point A and their point B uh, by asking some very you know, thought-provoking questions and uh, not really for the purpose of the coach getting the answers, but for the client to understand their own answers and to really think about them. And when it comes to this, this the idea of point A and point B, the coach really needs to meet the client where the client is and do that without judgment. So where are you right now? Uh, you know, might be uh, a question, what is your current state? Uh, 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 what is the actual condition now for, for uh, folks who are familiar with Kata? Uh, and we accept that answer without judgment. We want to make sure that we're creating uh, safety for the client to develop thoughts, to think things through, and to make mistakes. Quite frankly, uh, you know, it's got to be a, a safe environment. So we ask provocative questions, and we help frame or reframe thinking. So, uh, as an example, somebody's getting stuck in, in something, and, and uh, maybe getting a little frustrated with you know something like the project manager keeps dumping all of these tasks on me and, and it's really not uh, part of my role and, and I don't understand why I'm getting this and, and these other ta these tasks are getting in the way of me being successful in this other place. You know, a coach might, might uh, you know, make a statement or ask some questions around that, helping, to, helping the client to reframe those thoughts. Like, like, why do you think the, you know, why is it that the, uh, project manager is delegating these tasks to you, letting people, letting the client think about this for, for a, a little bit, and maybe even saying, hey, I want to reframe your thinking. You know, these tasks aren't getting dumped on you. It's it, the reality is you're the one who always comes through. So the, the project manager is now depending on you. Uh, you're the one that the project manager trusts. And that's why these things are coming your way is because like you're actually very, very good at that. So with that in mind, what do you think about and then, and then move on? So kind of pro providing a little bit of perspective uh, for the client, reframing thinking and getting them back on their path to accomplishment. So again, we're creating some space for people to, to think. And when it comes time for them to uh, move forward, right, we, we're letting them uh, form uh, their, their own thoughts and making their own decisions to move forward and, and how they will do so. And we'll, we'll get to the uh, coaching model here in just a moment. The 
another important aspect of coaching, though, is that coaches don't advise and they don't make suggestions. Uh, they don't recommend a course of action. So now this is where the paradox really kind of comes in you know, with managers, right? Because managers quite often give direction. They, they do make decisions or they do advise and they, they su- may suggest if not require a certain course of action. So that doesn't really fit within coaching. However, that's not really a, uh, necessarily a problem. The important thing, you know, again, is, is that as business leaders, we, we teach, coach, mentor. Uh, uh, it, uh, all of these things are, are very important. And if it's necessary to, to go into the manager role, make the decision to do that and just be aware that you're kind of stepping out of the coaching role and you're being the manager. And if it's necessary, do it and even acknowledge it with the client. Like, Hey, uh, you know, the circumstances right now, uh, you know, are that I really need you to do this one particular thing and I need you to do it this way. And, and, and that's fine. And then the opportunity for coaching will, will come back and you can get back into the coaching model when it's appropriate. So, uh, when you're coaching, don't advise. Uh, we don't suggest courses of action. and We let the clients develop those on their own, right? The only genuine knowledge is that of actual experience. And that is something that we're really trying to help our clients with uh, from a coaching perspective. And completing tasks, uh, accomplishing things, that's that's certainly an important part of it. That's part of the actual experience, but struggling through the decision-making process, the reflection of understanding where I am now, where I need to be and what's getting in my way and then making my own decisions. That is the experience that we're trying to help our clients uh, uh, get. That is, is what will make people more effective and will ultimately lead to greater contributions to the organization. And this is the value of coaching is helping people through that decision-making process. So one last thing that's important, uh, with, uh, with a coach, uh, in satisfying the coach's role is that the coach must remain detached from the outcome right? It's the client's journey. And you know, we hear this in, in Lean quite a bit. And for those of you who have followed uh, Mike Rother's work in Toyota Kata, right? The experiment and uh, giving people space to fail. And uh, that really is what we're trying to, what we're trying to do. So letting, letting people uh, go forward on their own journey and remaining detached from the outcome is critically important. Right. Because if there's a failure, if you're if if the coach is detached from it, there's uh, the failure doesn't sting so badly. But also when there's success, the success is entirely the clients and they can celebrate that and they can know that they've accomplished it. So remaining detached from the outcome is critically important here. Okay, so the coaching model is uh, very important. And there are many of them, and I think ultimately they all do the same thing. So here's a very general coaching model from uh, from the coaching business. Uh, and if you're familiar with Kata, you'll see that generally speaking, the the, the steps um, 
are the same. Where, you know, where do you want to be? Uh, where are you now? What's getting in your way? Or what's keeping you from getting there? Uh, what are you going to do? Or what's your next step? And then when are you going to have it done? And essentially, how are you going to hold yourself accountable? Now, in, in uh, Kata, uh, the, uh, the way it's written on the Kata card and in uh, Rather teaches it in uh, in Toyota Kata and the the Kata Practice Guide. You know what is your target condition? What's the actual condition now? What obstacles are keeping you from reaching your target condition? Uh, what is your next step? What do you expect from taking that step? And how quickly can we uh, can we uh, learn what you've uh, or can we see what you've learned from taking that step? So those those. The five steps are the same. Now, here's something that's, that's really important ab- about the, the coaching model. We want to make sure that we, we get all of these questions answered, but these are our general milestones, and we want to gain clarity on each of these milestones uh, as coaches, because what we're, what we're really trying to understand here is whether the client has a deep understanding of each of these milestones, and quite often... Uh, uh, they don't. And we're not always crystal clear on where our current state is. We're not always crystal clear on our obstacles or uh, on our, our next steps. So the coaching model really changes mental state from things happening to me to me making things happen, right? We're changing the the mental state of our clients from being reactive to conditions or situations or obstacles to being proactive, taking charge of it and making progress. It respectfully positions a person to identify or imagine a future state, acknowledge and accept the current state or the current circumstances, helps a person confront obstacles, then make a decision to move forward and then hold themselves accountable. So ultimately, this process, the coaching process, enables adaptability. And it it helps people move forward even when they think that they can't. So the coaching model is a process for navigating uncertainty. It creates certainty and it helps people thrive during challenging times. And right now, COVID-19, there are challenges everywhere. Uh, in personal life and in business, uh, lots of uncertainty. And the coaching model is very helpful uh, to uh, to help people uh, get through a lot of this uncertainty. But even without COVID, business in general is challenging. Uh, there's a constant uncertainty. People aren't sure what the best course of action is in their day-to-day jobs uh, uh, or problem solving or making improvements. And there's... Uh, uh, there's always an opportunity to help people gain clarity, basically organize their own thoughts, gain some the confidence to move forward. Uh, so one thing uh, also that we'll see that we can see in the coaching model is the word why doesn't really show up here. And uh, in my view, this is this is very important, at, at least in in the U.S. Or, or Western culture. The word "why" can be a little bit of an attacking question, right? It can put people on the defensive. So, for instance, what did you know? What did you, do, you plan as your last step? What did you do? Well, I, I did this and it didn't work out. Okay, well, why didn't that work? Can help kind of put something, put a person on their heels a little bit, and make them put them in a in a mental state where they're now searching for the right answer 
so they don't feel like they've done something something wrong as opposed to really just kind of deeply understanding uh, the the circumstances. So if we replace why with what, uh, it tends to be a little more neutral and helps keep the focus on the issues rather than uh, the person. So uh, so we rather than asking why did that happen, we can ask well what were the causes, what were the circumstances, what led to this. But if we keep that in mind, what rather than why, uh, it can help help enable uh, more rapid progress. So when do we use the coaching model, right? What are our opportunities to do this? So the first thing with recognizing opportunities is acknowledging the fact that it's not always welcome. Uh, it may be necessary to find and eliminate points of resistance. And if we, as we look at this image, uh, I've had plenty of conversations where I, I've caused this sort of response and, and the look on uh, on this woman's face really kind of conveys to me this this thought of will you please just go away uh, and people do feel that way from time to time and and that's something that we need to to uh, be aware of we need to be sensitive to and ultimately somebody who's thinking that or feeling that is not positioned to make progress right now so we may need to uh, understand what's happening and just bring it, you know, bring it to light, talk about it, and then get to a point where coaching uh, may be possible. Because if, if it isn't welcome, uh, people won't, won't uh, uh, make use of it, right? They're not going to accept it. So we want to get through these points of resistance uh, as quickly as we can. And, and again, I like to just, just acknowledge it. Like, Hey, I can, I can see something's not quite right here. What's on your mind. Is it, that's a question that I like to use a lot with coaching, just what's on your mind. Let's see what comes to the surface. Let's explore it and, uh, let's get past it so we can begin making, making, uh, progress. So what are the opportunities once we've have, have that resolved, what are the opportunities for coaching, uh, in business? Problem solving, which is something we do all the time, uh, project management, change management, continuous improvement. Anytime somebody says, I don't know, or as Rother would put it, uh, has reached the threshold of knowledge, this is, this is the opportunity for coaching. Also with professional development, career advancement, and, and the list goes on and on. But I really want to bring you back to this idea of I don't know. When we discover that, that is uh, gold. That is exactly where we want people to be because the next step leads to enlightenment. The next step past, I don't know, is progress. That's growth. And that's what we're trying to do. We're helping people get from point A to point B. And I don't know is what is in between those two points. So also be aware of the paradox of a manager's role and a coach's role as we're, we're going, as you're going through these conversations. So one one thing about the the coach, you know, we've talked about uh, before that you know it, it is the client's journey, and to put it in, you know, to use a you know sports a sports analogy here, the coach remains on the sidelines, and it's really important to to keep this in mind. The players are penalized if the coach takes the field. As we're looking here at it, you know, American football, the coach. Uh, can't step on the field, and that's where the coach belongs, right? Right there on the sidelines. We want to let the players play the game. So the opportunity for coaching is during practice, 
right? We coach during the week. And then on game day, the players take the field and the players play. Now the coach will be able to uh, be helpful and continue to coach during timeouts or between the plays. But uh, while the game is in play, it's really up to the coach to stand back and observe. Uh, let the players enjoy the game. Now, the idea of coaching uh, of covert coaching uh, uh, is also very useful. So, typically, uh, you know, coaching sessions are uh, they're scheduled. They're they're you know not necessarily terribly formal, but they are very structured. They're planned, and there's t- and something very specific to uh, accomplish. And we have the coaching sessions uh, periodically to help somebody continue their progress. But sometimes issues come up and people may be receptive to uh, kind of spontaneous coaching or coaching in the moment. And in this slide, I use the image of the ninja because a ninja gets in, gets the job done and gets out without being seen. And that is kind of the idea behind covert coaching, right? So uh, is coaching without the client seeing it or without the client feeling awkward in a formal setting. Uh, sometimes that's very effective and it's, uh, unscheduled or unplanned. And it typically looks like a casual conversation that touches on the five points of the coaching model. It involves a great deal of active listening. And again, it's, you know, without advice, uh, or suggestions. So somebody's having some sort of, uh, challenge, uh, with something they're trying to accomplish, engaging in the conversation and really being a good listener is often is very very helpful. Uh, and it's not just a matter of uh, you know listening and being very silent, but make sure we touch on those five points of the coaching model to help the person who's struggling f- uh, fully develop their thoughts around. Uh, uh, where they are, where they want to be, what's getting in their way, what they're going to do about it, and how they're going to help themselves uh, uh, remain accountable, right? So because ultimately it's up to it's up to the client, but helping them develop their thoughts by making sure your conversation touches on those five points uh, is very very helpful, and uh, it's also very good for you to to let them develop their own clarity on those five points. Right. So the co- the client's role in that coaching relationship is to get from point A to bo- point B, like we've talked about. Um, you know, the coach, again, can't do that for the client. The client has to do all the work. So essentially, the client's role is to is to uh, hit the target and the client decides point A and point B, the client decides actions and the coach, if you imagine you're coaching this archer here, uh, standing over her shoulder, you're making observations, you're seeing how, uh, uh, how she's, uh, going about, uh, shooting the arrow. And then you're asking some questions about, uh, how, uh, about the fundamentals of, of shooting, right. And framing the thinking and, and maybe offering, uh, some, some things for her to reflect on, but it's really up to her to get the job done. Right. So, uh, the clients make in, uh, incremental progress, uh, through PDCA. And what we're really, uh, encouraging them to do is form a hypothesis, an experiment to prove or disprove their hypothesis, right? We want them to imagine their next step and what it is they expect 
from taking that step and then reflecting on did they get what they expected, right? So it's the client's role to do the work. And what we're what we're doing through the coaching process is getting a client to the point that there's a shift in thinking, right? So a shift in thinking is a moment of discovery and of personal growth. And if you've ever had a conversation with somebody who said something along the lines of, you just made me realize dot, 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 that is the shift in thinking. That is the moment that we're looking for. And that is the growth. Uh, uh, and that's the value that coaches bring to the conversation. So when we're asking questions, uh, going through that coaching model, it's really important to learn to be comfortable with awkward silence and allow the learner to speak first. Because when we ask a question uh, of somebody and we, we're getting that awkward silence, and we've, we've all been in this position before, we get asked a question and it's kind of like the clarity of my answer is just over the horizon and I need a moment to formulate those thoughts. And what I need from my coach in that moment is give me the space to kind of put these things together so I can then articulate them. But if the coach speaks while I'm doing that, that shift isn't going to happen, right? We're going to dis- to disrupt that. And uh, it's quite common in the coaching uh, sessions that I have with my clients that I'll ask a, a, a question and uh, the client will be silent for five, 10, 20, 30 seconds as they're kind of putting things together. And sometimes I have to bite my tongue and and keep quiet because I don't want to disrupt their process. And one of the greatest challenges for coaches is keeping quiet while this is happening. And in particular, keeping quiet when you have a great idea for your client. We have to really keep those uh, to ourselves. So what do we look for uh, with our clients? So we really want the client to have absolute clarity on point A and point B and really absolute clarity on every other milestone in the coaching process for that matter. And if we don't have the clarity on these points, it's quite likely because, well, the client isn't clear on on those uh, points either. And, and so if the client isn't explaining things in such a way that, that you as a coach clearly understand it, then we need to just ask deepening questions because if the client doesn't understand it uh, or gives vague answers, then we really need to dig in. So we're looking for absolute clarity. And we're also looking for our clients to reflect on what they don't know rather than talking about what they do. So when we're having the, these uh, the conversations going through the milestones in, in the coaching model, uh, the conversations can can actually kind of pick up a lot of energy around this is what I did, this is what I accomplished, this is what I do know, and and the client will keep talking about these things because there's some discomfort about engaging with the things that they don't know, but. Remember, our purpose is to help them navigate uncertainty. So it's okay uh, that they, they that they are excited about the things they've accomplished and the things that they've discovered. Eventually, though, we have to get the conversation back to the unknown, back to the threshold of knowledge. So we're looking for scientific thinking and PDCA 
uh, with the client? Are they following the model? Do they understand their obstacles? Are they selecting one obstacle to go for uh, or resolve? And, uh, and are they certain about their next step? So we're looking for specificity and confidence on their next step. And this is really important. So when we ask, what are you going to do next? A response of, well, I think I might do this. That right there, that communicates to me, okay, we're not specific. We're not certain. And there's no confidence in this. And possibly the client's really looking for validation hoping that they'll get some sort of response like, okay, that sounds good. Why don't you go ahead and do that? What we're really looking for is someone to say, I've decided I'm going to do this. This is how I will do it. This is what I expect. So that specificity and confidence uh, needs to be there. And if it isn't, we keep asking questions about that. Like, yeah, you, and, and even say, you, you don't sound certain about that. What what is on your mind related to your next step? What's what's creating this this sense of uncertainty, and and dig into that. Okay, so the next thing is really uh, developing your coaching skills. It requires exercise, and uh, sometimes, uh, just like any physical exercise, it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's something you don't want to do, uh, but you get up in the morning and you and you do it anyway. Uh, so we learn, we develop our skills through repetition, right? Proper practice is what we're trying to do. Now, on that I, I, that point of proper practice, also don't let perfect get in the way of progress as you're building your coaching skills or as your clients are, are progressing through their challenges. Don't let perfect get in the way of progress. If your coaching uh, session didn't go perfectly, Reflect on it. Learn where you can you can be better in the next conversation, and then just pick it up. And uh, you know, I suppose uh, you received a vague answer, or somebody really didn't seem to have a lot of confidence in their next step, and uh, that coaching session ended, and you're just not feeling good about it. There's nothing wrong with going back to the client and saying, "Hey, look, when we had this conversation, you know, I, I really didn't sense a lot of." Uh, certainty or confidence around your next step. And I just wanted to kind of reopen that conversation and see what you're thinking on that. And, and uh, is that still the next step you want to take? And, and then just get, get right back into it. There's nothing wrong with coming back to it. There's also nothing wrong with pausing uh, in the middle of the coaching cycle and uh, encouraging your client to, uh, to think it through like you know you know something along the lines of well i can i can see that that you want to, you want to give this more thought so why don't we pause here let's pick this up tomorrow afternoon and uh, and and we'll see what what you've come up with give people space and then come right back to it so go through these exercises right go through the coaching model over and over as frequently as you can and uh and build the skills to the point that you really internalize the model and you internalize uh the conversation and get to the point where it's not awkward for you and it's not awkward uh at all for for your client and uh, and that's simply going to come with time and uh and repetition right so so on this this idea of exercise, I you know, just want to leave you with with one uh, one more idea. In that idea, that exercise is 
really a productive struggle, right? It, it's intended to be difficult um, because productive struggle builds capability, strength, and endurance. And when we ha- have those, when we have capability, strength, and endurance as coaches, we're more effective as coaches. And the the clients are also building their capabilities, strengths, and endurance, and they're becoming more effective, and they're able to contribute more to the organization. So uh, embrace struggle and make it productive. We don't want anybody to struggle for the, uh, simply for the sake of struggle, but if there's a, a point to it, uh, that's really what we want to do. And uh, with coaching, we're really, we really are intentionally putting the client in a position to struggle because that's where their learning occurs, right? That's where the shift occurs. Okay, so some key points here, some do's and don'ts. So as a as a coach, uh, do let the clients own their milestones and obstacles and don't problem solve, advise, or suggest, right? So it's theirs, they own it, let them have it, and it's really important to stay on the sidelines. Uh, keep clients focused. Don't let the clients go too far off into the weeds. And if they do, that's fine. Let them complete their thought. And then just really directly, hey, let's come back to this idea. Uh, uh, let's come back to current state. Where are we with this? And just get right back into uh, the coaching model and, and they'll come right along with you. Uh, so do internalize the coaching model and don't read from a kata card or a coaching script or or a reference card. So that that really is ideal. Now to get started, maybe you'll need to read from a card and that's fine. Build your skills, internalize that process, memorize it as quickly as you can and as quickly as you can uh, set the card down and then make it more conversational and, and make it your own style. So do know what you're trying to achieve as a coach. And remember, we're trying to get, we're trying to help people get themselves from point A to point B. Uh, Don't rob learners of their opportunity to make discoveries. Don't, Don't rob the learners of the opportunity to shift. So do dig deeper for absolute clarity and don't let the learner off the hook with vague responses. Uh, Ask what rather than asking why. And do detach yourself from the outcome of whatever it is that the client is doing and don't get involved with their process. I mean, ultimately, what we're trying to do is help people lift the fog, shine light on the path ahead so that they can move down the road as quickly uh, and easily as possible. Okay, so let's uh, close with uh, some uh, coaching resources. So some things that I, I recommend first is the book Drive by uh, Daniel Pink. That's probably not a surprise since I've uh, uh, referred to uh, to this book a couple of times already. Um, very important uh, to understand intrinsic motivation, uh, what drives decision making, and uh, and Dan Pink does a great job of explaining this. So if you haven't read it. Um, uh, take a look at Drive, and if you have read it, and it's been a few years since it's come out, maybe give it a second look. Uh, also, uh, Mike Rother's work is very, very good for developing coaching skill and understanding a coaching model. Uh, so, specifically, the Toyota Kata Practice Guide. Uh, this is excellent in explaining the coach's role and uh, the client's role, or as it's referenced in Kata. It, the, the learner's role, but what is that relationship like uh, uh, between the coach and the learner? So again, Toyota Kata Practice Guide. Also, uh, managing to learn. Now, this really focuses 
on uh, leadership related to A3 thinking. Uh, so managing to learn by John Shook. Uh, again, this is a great example of what's happening in the relationship, right? There's the manager, there's the, the person who's working on the A3. So there's the coach and the client and managing to learn really illustrates that relationship and what it looks like when it's appropriate to let people struggle. Uh, so I really encourage you to take a look at that as well. Uh, John Maxwell coaching certification, uh, John Maxwell team.com. Uh, if you're if you're interested in learning about coaching techniques, becoming a certified coach, give John Maxwell uh, a, a look. Uh, very good resources uh, there. Also, Coach U uh, at CoachU.com. That is where I I received my uh, coaching certificate. It's an excellent organization. I believe that they were the first uh, to teach professional coaching back in the '90s. Uh, and then the last one is the International Coach Federation or coachfederation.org. Uh, the Coach Federation uh, will point to other great uh, learning resources for uh, getting professional coaching training and uh, uh, other references. So you give them a look as well. Also, uh, Google. If you, uh, I did a Google search yesterday on best, uh, best coaching books. And there's a long list of them. Give and uh, so give that a look and see what really appeals to you, because the skill set of coaching is so critically important in modern business leadership. Okay. The uh, the last thing that I wanted to share with you is uh, if if you'd like to get in touch with me and talk about coaching or anything else uh, for that matter, I really encourage you to do that. I'm happy to. Uh, to speak with you. And the best way to contact me is to just go to GembaAcademy.com and uh, use the contact us link. And that contact us link is under about, or it's also in the footer of every page on the Gemba Academy website. Uh, just fill out the form and, uh, and I'd be happy to speak with you. So thanks so much for uh, spending your time uh, with this webinar and uh, and listening to uh, what I had to say. I really appreciate you. And uh, again, if I can ever be of service, GembaAcademy.com, contact us, and I'm happy to talk to you. Thanks, Steve. And um, before we do the announcements and Q&A, um, you know, I, I do want to give a sincere endorsement for the great content um, that's available uh, on the Gemba Academy website. Um, it's The, the, the tra training videos have been really helpful for members of the Kinexus team. We've got a number of our Kinexus customers who are also Gemba Academy customers. Um, so certainly uh, recommend um, that, that, that you check them out. Um, and, and Steve, I was gonna ask you also to talk um, briefly, I saw an announcement and I've got your website pulled up, the, uh, the new Lean Practitioner certification that Gemba Academy is offering. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we at Gemba Academy, you know, we really want to uh, contribute more to our clients than you know, videos alone. So we have great video resources and, and uh, supplemental uh, materials. And what we're doing with the Lean Practitioner course is we're combining one-on-one -on -one coaching with the practice of, of Lean in a very structured way uh, that over the course of six to 12 months, uh, uh, a lean practitioner candidate will learn fundamental lean skills 
through our videos, watching on their own schedules, engaging in remote coaching sessions. So we do it by video conference, screen share, that sort of thing, uh, before they go out and apply uh, what they've learned. So in the Lean Practitioner course, we have uh, uh, 10 modules, uh, very focused on uh, uh, lean concepts, but everything taught in, in the videos is also practiced. So we want you to go out to your workplace and actually uh, uh, you know, photograph a before state, uh, make a, a prediction about what you're going to experience, apply what you've learned, PDCA through it, and uh, do a report on what happened after. And we build on each skill one by one over the course of, like I said, six to 12 months. And uh, it's a lot of content. It's a really uh, serious commitment to get to getting this certification. And at the end, not only will a participant be highly skilled and experienced in each of these uh uh, these lean tools, but will also be positioned to then scale the coaching within their organization. So they can then be the coach for other people uh, and, and uh, similar to martial arts, right? You, you achieve a belt and part of achieving a, a certain level means you coach the people who are coming up behind you. And that's what we're really trying to do with this is help people scale uh, lean learning and lean practice. Uh, within their organizations. Great. And there, there's also uh, Lean Six Sigma belt right. certification options as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the big difference there, and that's a common question, what are the differences? Well, the, the Green Belt and Black Belt courses are really focused on statistical analysis. Uh, so if the statistical analysis piece is important uh, for you, then we really encourage you go to the black belt uh, route. And if the statistical analysis piece is, uh, isn't is quite at the, the top of your list of priorities at the moment, then we really encourage you go the lean practitioner route. Okay, well, good. Thank you for, for sharing a little bit about that. So let, let's go through a couple of announcements and then we'll do some Q&A and discussion. Okay. I'm going to tell you first about our upcoming webinars in uh, the Kinexus series. Um, April 9th, Kinexus training team office hours. That's part of an ongoing series for um, Kinexus customers. And then our next presentation style webinar like today's, which is open uh, to everybody in our community, it's open to the public, is going to be presented by uh, Bill Griffith. He is um, from Broward Health in Florida. He's going to be presenting about their use of strategy deployment, uh, driving strategies across the system. He's also going to talk about their use of our Kinexus software platform um, to help manage and facilitate that. But we think there's a lot of great content um, in his slides just about strategy deployment in general. So um, I certainly invite you to come register for that um, on April 30th. Uh, for those who suffered through the GoToWebinar technical difficulties in our first attempt at this webinar, um, we are going to be experimenting with the Zoom webinar platform on April 30th, and um, I'm, I'm confident that that is going to work well. So you can register for these webinars by going to kinexus.com slash webinars. want to also point you to some other resources. If this is the first Kinexus webinar you've attended, we've got uh, a, a great on-demand library of past webinars. Um, one of them, well, so uh, some of the Gemba Academy folks, um, uh, colleagues of Steve Kane's. I see Kevin Meyer 
uh, on screen. Uh, John Miller is also in that webinar uh, library. It's all free. Um, there, there's a link on the webinars page. You can also find it uh, on our YouTube channel. And we also have the Kinexus blog. You can go to blog.kinexus.com. We share a lot about continuous improvement. And in, in over the past month, we've really shared a lot of content about how to help cope with and, and deal with this COVID-19 era. And then finally, the podcast. Um, the audio from this webinar will be published in the podcast series. We put a lot of other um, content in there. You can find it at kinexus.com slash podcast, or you can find us anywhere you find podcasts. We'd encourage you to subscribe and uh, rate the podcast if, if you like it. And so with that, um, we'll have Steve's contact info here on screen, uh, his email address and their website, gembaacademy.com. So um, Steve, we got some time for questions. Mm -hmm. um, I really like the way you broke down, you know, teacher, mentor, manager, coach. I'm curious what you think of the word sensei. And if we were to use that word, where does that fit within the, the list of um, modes that you shared? Yeah, so uh, I'm not an expert on uh, a Japanese language, so, so let's just kind of preface with that. Neither am I. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but as um, it's used in the lean space. Yeah, yeah. So it, my understanding of the word sensei is, is really is uh, coach. Um, some it, um, I don't really know that it has uh, any deeper meaning uh, beyond that, at least to me. Um, it doesn't. And, and I'm also, you know, from my personal perspective is I'm a big fan of uh, speaking English uh, mm -hmm. with, with English speakers. So I tend to avoid Japanese language largely because I don't understand it. Uh, and there are some nuances to the language. But, um, you know, like in a martial arts sensei sort of thing, there, there seems to be... Uh, like this combination of coach, but there's also this really high degree of reverence with a, sen a sensei. Uh, uh, so maybe a, a bit of a mentor as well. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it sort of combines and there's different moments or it's situational teacher, mentor, coach. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's really the case for, you know, coaches uh, generally uh, as well. If we look at sports coaches at the most visible, uh, a lot, a lot of what they do really is teaching. Um, and when we talk, if you look at stories of like the greatest coaches, uh, you know, in, in, that we've seen in sports, so many of them are mentors to the players as well. And there's a place for all of it. Teach, mentor. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and I think it's just a really a matter of understanding what role you're fulfilling at any moment. Yeah. And along those lines, I'm, I'm curious what you think of, um, a manager trying to situationally serve as a coach. Cause a lot of times lean, lean coach is a, a specific role within different mm -hmm. types of organizations or, you know, as an outside consultant, I'm often in that role um, of coach, but are, are there any thoughts or nuances when you, you are the manager and you're, you're stepping out of that mode and, and trying to be a coach? Yeah. That, well, so there are, there are nuances and, and sometimes, uh, at least for me, the, the largest one in my experience as a manager is telling myself, don't speak, <laughs> right. don't, don't tell them what to do. 
let them figure it out, let them struggle, um, and, and let, let them fail. Right. Which is so hard to do as a manager, because, you know, as a manager, I'm thinking hundred percent on time to delivery, hundred percent quality, right. These kinds of things and, uh, failing and quality and delivery sometimes are, you know, uh, uh don't really you know work hand in hand, so the, I think the, the nuance is you know understand you know, the, what what you're trying to accomplish as a coach and and let people um, let let people fall off the bike you know, and, um, and and learn. And there there are three things I like to keep in mind as a manager uh, when I'm trying to balance this coach and manager uh, these coach and manager roles. Right. So will a, a bad outcome uh, hurt anybody. So we're talking like really serious safety stuff. Is anybody going to be injured uh, by this? If no, okay, we can move on. Okay, will the customer be adversely affected by this? Uh, if no, we can move on. Uh, uh, is it going to cause any unreasonable expense for uh, for my organization if this goes badly? If no, we can move on. So let them do those things. So uh, will anybody be hurt? Will it affect the customer? And uh, will it create any unnecessary expense? So if all know, okay, I'm going to stay in coaching mode and we're going to let this go ahead and crash and burn and we're going to learn from it. Yeah. And I, I, um, I, I chuckled or, you know, when, when, when you talked about the, the being comfortable with awkward silence, I, I've, I've, <laughs> been coached and taught and, and try to practice. And, and I work with some other consultants who, you know, very consciously say, you know, you've got to leave a 10 second pause. And that feels like a lifetime, but you'd be amazed how many times after roughly eight or nine seconds comes a response or a reflection or a comment that, as you said, wouldn't have gotten out if you uh, shut off that silence or, or answered your own question or, or did something like yeah, yeah, it, it's it's amazing what comes out um, after that awkward silence for sure. And sometimes it, another technique related to that awkward science, silence is you ask a question and you get somewhat of a superficial response, right? It kind of lacks depth, and uh, and just continuing to remain silent after you get that. And, and you will see people really kind of stop for a moment, dig deeper, and uh, and really articulate some some uh, better thoughts. Yeah, um, I'm I, I'm curious if you've been in in the position where uh, you're coaching a coach, or if you have thoughts about that. Yeah, so yeah, it's coaching a, a coach. Um, it, there are different philosophies on it. Mine is. Uh, make your observations. So if you think about it, so there are three people involved, right? There's the client, there's the coach, and then you're in this, the second coach position. So as the, the, the client and coach are having their conversation and, and you're watching, you're observing, keep in mind the, your job is to stay on the sidelines and not get involved, right? So you're making your observations, you're understanding where, uh, skills can be developed, that sort of thing. And then in private, you, sh you shift from second coach to first coach yeah. and right. And then you, and you have those conversations. So I, I and I really like to emphasize, do that in private. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and, and also give people some time to kind of formulate their thoughts after, you know, the observed coaching session. That's a great, great thought. Um, 
I'm wondering, you know, you talk about how to be a client or, or situations where somebody might not have intrinsic motivation. Are, are there circumstances where you might decide that somebody, at least at the moment, is uncoachable? Would you back off or how, how might you address that? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Yes. Yeah, so there are there are times when people are uncoachable and I like to respectfully uh, bring that to light and and then introduce a countermeasure. And so what that might look or sound like is like, hey, I, I can see we're not making progress right now. I'd like to give you some space to uh, to deal with what's on your mind at the moment. So I want to come back and talk to you, say, later this afternoon or tomorrow afternoon. And here, here are the things that I, I want you to really think about for that conversation and, and really deeply understand what it is that you're trying to accomplish, right? You know, what's your goal? And where are you now? Let's start the conversation there. And if there's anything on your mind that's going to keep us from being uh, productive in that conversation, let maybe let's talk about that first, right? But but right now I'm going to give you some space. Let's come back at this tomorrow afternoon, and uh, and leave it there. And because sometimes we can make more progress by backing off. Mm-hmm. And then a final question, and I'm I'm going to try to ask it in a way that that maybe illustrates the point I'm asking you to comment on. Um, don't you think it's a good idea to avoid phrasing suggestions as a question? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, my, uh, my teacher at Coach U introduced this idea. Uh, she called it questioning, you know, ah. hiding, <laughs> hiding a suggestion in a yeah. question, yeah. right? Like, hey, well, don't you think you ought to? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I'm really glad you brought it up. Yeah, that, that is the same as directing. Uh, somebody are telling them what to do. And if you think it back to, to the railroad tracks uh, slide, right? Your, uh, that questioning is eliminating the possibility for a shift. And, and yeah, so I really discourage uh, people from doing it. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you so much for sharing, um, you know, frameworks and concepts with us today. Uh, again, I encourage people to go to GembaAcademy.com and check out their offerings. There are, uh, you know, they, they, there's a great blog, they have podcasts, they have a lot of uh, free content that's available uh, to people who are not Gemba Academy customers. So it's a good way to get to know uh, Steve and Kevin and John and Ron Pereira, um, great team at Gemba Academy. And um, Steve, your email address again, Gemba, or Stephen at GembaAcademy.com. Um, uh, right. Any any final thought you'd want to share here, Steve? Yeah, the uh, uh, my final thought is if you if you're not uh, trained as a coach, uh, read up on it. Uh, don't worry about trying to be uh, terribly expert before kind of exploring these questions and and developing your skill and. Uh, really check out uh, some of those resources to be professionally trained. If this is something that's going to be valuable for you or your organization or the people that you surround yourself with. Very good. I'm going to check that out myself. So thank you for those recommendations. You're welcome. Um, So on behalf of uh, the entire team at Kinexus, I want to thank everybody uh, for viewing the recording. We'll look forward to being back in our usual live webinar format on April 30th, again, with Bill Griffith. Um, So Steve, thanks again. And you're uh, welcome. Be well.